Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show this evening. As everyone probably knows, this is our first show after we've taken a break, so I'm glad to be back on the air. We will be on every week, so be sure to listen in. But tonight we have a very special guest. Her name is S.M. Stryker, and we're going to listen to see about her book because I want everybody to go out and get it. I haven't read it, but I hear it's really great, so we all need to get our copy. So, S.M., if you'll go ahead and take us into your story. I'd love to, and thank you for very much for having me here tonight. Um, oh, you're quite foremost, welcome. First and foremost, I wanted to let everybody know that um, all of my books have events that have happened in my life. Um, this book in particular um, has a lot to do with my daughter's life. Um, although it was written in a man's perspective, um, she is the one that plays Mitchell, who is um, in the military and um, was stationed in Afghanistan. So I got a lot of the information that um, I used for that from her. So basically, the story is about um, a guy, Mitchell, um, Toby Mitchell, and um, he was given up for adoption at a very early age and went from foster home to foster home and and never got adopted. And so finally at the age of 18, he joined the Marines and went into the Marines and finally found the family that he really, really wanted. And um, during his time in the military, he also studied Krav Maga, which is a form of martial arts. And he um, he trained at this all the time whenever he was not deployed. He was um, on his last deployment when he was ambushed and um, one of his best friends was severely injured. And um, lo and behold, he was also injured, which uh, caused him to be... Um, uh, he ended up getting out of the service. He they they didn't want him after that, and so again he he lost his family um, that he so desperately wanted. When he came back home, he found a friend that he had trained in Krav Maga, who um, was in a previous book, Never Forgotten Love. Um, these books, starting with Never Forgotten Love. Um, they're a crossover series, so they're not um, they're not a series that you have to read one after the other. But they oh, are, uh, yeah. So there's not cliffhangers or anything like that. So you'll find Beckett Beckett and Harlow's story is never forgotten, and um, and you'll find Mitchell in that book. We introduce him there, and so we carry some of those characters over. And so Beckett is. Um, in obviously in this book as well, and um, so he, Beckett basically tells him that he needs to start a security business because that's what he had done in the military, and he was a protector. And um, through this, he meets um, Raven, and Raven is a young girl that was 
she was raised without a mother, and she always felt like there was secrets behind her mother's disappearance, and nobody would let her know what was, you know, they wouldn't talk about her mother except for her father. Her father did, loved her very much, but they lived with um, with his parents, and they were very secretive, and, and they wouldn't let her know anything about her parent or her mother. And so at the age of 16, she decided that she would run away and try to find her mother. And so the story is that um, she goes and she finally works her way through college um, at a gentleman's club. Um, And she finally graduates and she starts working for a computer company where she meets Mitchell. Uh, Her boss hires him for some work that needs to be taken care of. And there's this instant bond that they have with each other. And even though they both have these so-called demons inside of them that, you know, things that they want to get, you know, found, um, they, they start seeing each other and they realize that their relationship is a lot stronger than, than what they had thought that it would ever be. And as the story goes, there's, there's a lot of twists and turns in it. Um, Mitchell trying to eventually find out who his mother is, um, reconnecting with um, Trent Michaels, who was one of the uh, guys, his best friend in the military that was very injured, um, lost a leg. And, um, and then again, it, it goes into Raven and her still trying to find her mother and, the um, what all it goes through with Mitchell has you know since he owns a security company, he's helping try to find her without her even knowing it, and then what happens when uh, he does find her. So uh, that's kind of how the story goes. Wow, that is a lot going on, but it sounds so wonderful. You know, I I always try to have lessons, you know, lessons learned in all my books. You know, it's, it's I guess, something that I've always felt that, you know, things happen for a reason. And, and so there's little little stories in and out, but there's a lot of, it's very roller coastery, and I and that's what I look for when not only when I when I read a book, that's what gets me. It's like okay, what's going to happen next? And that's what I want with all of my books. I want to be able to tell a story, and somebody not they might guess some of it, but I want to take them totally by surprise on some of the other things. Right. And that's what makes the books fun because most people like myself, you want to escape reality and, and go to a different place and, and something that will hold your attention. And your book right. sounds definitely like that would be it. Um, gotten really, it. It doesn't have a lot of reviews up there, but um, all of them are five so far. So, um, you know, I, it's, I think that this is my third book, um, Loving Redemption is my third book, and so they're getting better and better as they go along. Although I did have somebody that did tell me that they still love my first book 
just as you know more than they love any of my other books. So everybody's different as to as to the story, and um, and I love that. That's nice. It's always nice when readers can still love all your books, no matter how many you have out there. Right. Well, can you tell us what the inspiration was when you first started this series? Not necessarily um, Loving Redemption, but the whole the whole series as a whole. Well, it started with, you know, it's kind of funny because it started with, um, my first book is not in the series at all. It's totally a standalone, um, and that's Stolen Innocence. And that is, that was where I started. That was um, my childhood that were the events that started that book. And it was more of a healing process. And then, you know, then it was told to me, you need to publish this. So that's where it all started. I mean, I, I knew that when I was younger that I knew that my story would, my my life would make either a really good story book or it would make a really great soap opera. And so, um, <laughs> so I, I never really thought about writing when I was younger. Um, I mean, really younger. I was in my twenties when I really thought about writing. And, um, but by then, you know, I had a child, and I wanted to. Everything that I did were, was for my kids. And so um, through the years, I've got four daughters, and um, now that they're all gone from home, that's when I started to really, really think about writing. And um, because I didn't have to worry about, you know, softball games or, you know, um, track meets or, you know, volleyball or, you know, I didn't have to worry about any of that. I could just, you know, it was just my husband and I, so... I decided to pull out my computer one day and start to write. Um, Never Forgotten Love is my second book, and um, that's got a lot of events that happened in my husband's life. Um, Beckett's Beckett's Growing Up is is my, my husband's growing up. So although it's shocking as to some of the things that happened, it's very tame to what he he literally had to endure, um, and that's pretty much on on all of the books, even even Stolen Innocence. It's um, it's pretty watered down because when I first wrote Stolen, banned by Amazon a couple of times because of the content, so I had to rewrite and redo um, relationships in that book. Um, and then Loving Redemption is uh, one of my daughter's um, events in her life. And there's there's little bits and pieces of my girls in throughout all of the books. And then um, Anchored to Love is um, one of my other daughters. And so that's kind of the inspiration. You know, I, it's different events that, have, that I have lived through in my life that I have used to... Um, I guess, inspire me as to my books. Wow. I love it. 
you don't hardly ever get that kind of response when I ask, you know, what your inspiration is. I love it that you have your girls throughout your books and your husband, of course, and yourself. What was that question again? Oh, I was just commenting, complimenting you on bringing your daughters and your husband and yourself into your books. That's not normally what the answer I get when I ask that type of question. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I feel like both he and I came from such dysfunctional families that, again, I knew that there's a lot of good stories between the two of us of things that have happened in our lives. So, you know, that's good, that, though. Yeah, it it is what it is. Well, what do you have going on at the moment? What's going to be your next book? The next book, I think, is, at this point, is going to be the last book in the Second Chances series. Um, and it is about Richard and Nicole. And um, in this one, Although it's not really based off of any anybody in particular, it still has little events in it that that are um, things that I've gone through. But um, older couple, they're older couple. They're in their forties and never had found love. Um, incidents in their past where they've put, you know, lived their life with work and um, just really focused on their work and never had time for a relationship. And they're brought together by um, Beckett, and they um, learn how to love and and um, work through their trials and tribulations and, and things that have happened to them. And I'm hoping that this one will be out in about October. Um, I'm right now in the final process of reading back through it and before I send it out to beta readers. So, oh, good. Um, yeah, so the the last two books actually only just came out within the last literally month. Um, Le- Loving Redemption came out uh, the middle of July, and Anchored to Love actually just came out last week. So oh, I got a couple. Thank you. I had a couple of them that were just kind of on top of each other, but this one was a little bit harder. It's also a lot longer. It's going to be almost twice as long as the other books. So uh, right now I think I'm over 400 pages in it. Oh, my goodness. But that's not bad. I mean, it sounds like all of your books are very interesting, so I'm sure that will not be a problem. I really, I really enjoy um, my characters and and letting them speak, you know. And that's one of the things that I do is let them speak. I don't try to write for them. So my husband always says, "Don't ever let anybody say that they're going to lock you up." But you know, <laughs> each, each each character has a personality of their own, and I let them. I, I try to let them speak because I never know where it's going to lead me. That is true. Well, tell us about, because I honestly didn't know you had one that just came out. Can you tell us about that one as well? Anchor to Love is um, is about Charlie and um, Carson. And they, all Charlie ever wanted was to play softball. Um, she had worked all of her life, all, you know, all of her young life 
to make it to play softball. And so she finally got accepted, but the acceptance was for a college across the United States. So she packed everything up that she had and, and moved to Tennessee. And when she got there, it was not what she thought. Um, the coach portrayed one thing, and that's not what she found when she got there. And since she had a scholarship, the last thing that she wanted to do was to jeopardize that because, again, she had worked so hard to play softball in college and, and you know, play softball all the way through college. And when she finally got there, the first thing that happened was that the girls that picked her up from the airport took her, took her to a party. And, you know, what is she going to do? I mean, she doesn't have a car. She doesn't have anybody to call. You know, she doesn't even really know where the campus is because she doesn't even know where she's at. So while she's there, she literally bumps into Zane, who um, is also Carson. Carson and Zane are the same person. But he goes by um, Zane, which is his middle name. And um, Charlie's real name is Charlize. And when she introduced herself to Zane, he just started calling her Char. And so Char and Zane had this relationship, and they were, it was instant chemistry. I mean, they were, um, they were attached at the hip. He went to her games that she went to, and um, they just totally fell in love. And, but she kept on having this conflict with school and her coach and the girls that she played with. And one day, you know, she went to her coach, or she didn't go to her coach. Her her batting coach from back home um, got a phone call from her coach and wanted to know why she wasn't a team player. And so she, he found out that um, it was because she would not hang out with her teammates because all they wanted to do was party. And so the coach called a meeting and called all the girls in and and literally pointed her out and said, I want to know, Charlie, who of these girls on your team have been partying? And she lied through her teeth and said, I don't know what you're talking about. Because the last thing that you want is for your teammates. I mean, although she didn't get along with her teammates because of what they did, she also wasn't going to throw them under the bus. And at that point, she, after the meeting was over, she walked out and she decided that she couldn't do it anymore. She she knew that she had lost face with her teammates. They would never trust her. And and that um, it, was, it was time to go home. And one of the things that uh, on her way home was that somebody had sent her video of Zane and it looked like he was selling drugs. And that was a huge, huge issue for her. Drugs and alcohol were just totally forbidden for her. And she packed her stuff up. She um, didn't even leave him a note. She she texted him and, and sent him the video and basically said, how could you? And that's that's the end of their that was the end of their story 
and so she moves back home, but her parents are so upset with her that she decides that she's going to try to live on her own, and she finds herself on the street, and that's where she runs into Raven, and Raven was in Loving Redemption. And right. so she, the two of them had a bond, and Raven was only 16, and um, although Charlie wasn't a whole lot older, she was only 18, but at least she could um, watch out for Raven. She she ended up getting a job at, um, again, a strip, strip club and got Raven a job there um, also. Even though she was underage, they had to do something for money and and um, so they they work there, and after a few years, uh, Raven, of course, like I said, has you know graduated from college, and she gets this job, and she sets um, Charlie up with one of her coworkers, and. And not necessarily on a blind date did did Charlie know that, but you know it was you know in the back of Raven's mind they they were going to go out for a foursome, and so little did did Charlie know that it was Carson, and everybody knew him by Carson and not by Zane because you know now he's in the business world and he was going by his real name, and. Um, so sparks fly and and there's a lot of a lot of anger of both ways because Carson was told that Charlie had thrown everybody under the bus because half the team got kicked off half the softball team got kicked off of um, off the softball team so there was a lot of rumors going around and it was just. Um, just a misunderstanding. And so they ended up starting to work together and, 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 you know, work on their relationship. And, um, so there's, there's a lot of anchor to love. I probably cried more writing anchor to love than any of my other books, even more than stolen innocence. And I'm not really sure why, but it just it hit me a lot harder, and so um, there's a lot of twists and turns that you do not see coming. There's um, it, it's a very emotional book, but um, but again, it it's um, so yeah, it's it's a good book. I really I really 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 like that book. I I looked at that as my breakout book. I'm gonna have to get in touch with Anil Tor. I need a copy. <laughs> it's, they all sound really good. I don't have time to read them all. I can't even take care of my read my own author's books at the time. Yeah, I'm sure. But I they know it's so good. <laughs> it, it's so hard to to try to read and try to write, and you know, it, it's like at two o'clock in the morning. I'm still reading a book that you know a new author came out with a book yesterday, and it's like. Okay, I've got to start this, and and I can't do it while I'm writing because then I'll never get anything done. And so oh, I always do it while I lay in bed, and and you know, two o'clock rolls around, and it's like, okay, I've got to go to sleep. 
And so, yeah, I, I totally get that. Well, tell us about some of the hobbies when you do have time, besides your writing, of course, what you like to do. Um, I, if I could sit in my office and write all day, that's what I would do. Um, but, you know, I still have a husband. I have two grandkids. And so a lot of the time um, when I'm not writing, it, it's usually because I either have the grandkids over or my husband wants to do something. And I, I try to put a smile on my face and, and go with it. But in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, so what am I going to do on my next book? Or what's going to happen now? Or, you know, <laughs> right, so I'm constantly right. thinking about what, yeah, we we went to the beach a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I. And, um, and of course, I had my computer and, and, and I had my books. And I have a a composition book that I always write notes in different phrases or different wording or um, different scenes that I want to do in in any of the books that I I do. And I can always flash back, you know, different ways of kissing, different ways of making love, different clothes, you know. So as I I as I think of things, I constantly write things down. So, um, but I don't. I don't have hobbies anymore because I write so much. Um, it used to be that, you know, I would take the girls camping in the summertime and my big thing was fly fishing. And so, in like in Soul and Innocence, there's a scene where there's a fly fishing scene um, or fly tying or, or something to do with that. So, um, basically, in my books, the things that, that happens with the characters are a lot of the things that I used to do. I just don't do them anymore. Right. Well, that's still interesting, though, because you're, you're at least throwing them into your story, so to speak. Exactly. Now, do you have any different writing habits? Like, do you have to have something to drink all, all the time while you're writing or music on? The only book that I ever had music on was Stolen Innocence. And um, I listened, listened to Imagine Dragons, especially Demons. Because oh yeah, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. That, that was my song. That was um, that was my muse, so to speak. And um, that album, I probably had in my car, on my phone. I mean, if if you ever wrote in my car, it was always Imagine Dragons for a good year and a half. And um, Demons was the song that I would play while I was writing um, Stolen Innocence. The other ones, not so much. I did not, um, I didn't need that like I needed it in Stolen. Um, As far as eating-wise, I used to, except for about two months ago, I started a diet and and so that's all gone by the wayside. I used to drink coffee, not tons of it, a couple cups a day. But, um, you know, I loved my French vanilla creamer, and I can't have that right now. And so I have my large glass of ice water that I keep beside my computer, and um, I'm extremely restricted on what I'm eating right now. So um, 
the hot tamales that I used to eat and things like that, I don't have very, I don't, I haven't had. I, I take that back. When we went to the beach, I had two free days that I could eat things that I wanted to eat. And I ate so much that I thought that I would feel better if I threw up. And I know that that sounds really gross, but, you know, I ate everything and anything that I could eat. And then come Monday, I started the diet all over again. And um, and so here I am with my big glass of water beside my computer. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Well, believe it or not, we have one minute left. So can you tell everybody where we can find you on the Internet and where we can find your books? Because I don't want you to miss out on telling it. Um, my Internet, uh, my website is www.smstryker.com. And you can find my books on Amazon, um, all countries, Barnes & Noble, and um, and iTunes. Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I've had a lot of fun. I can't believe the time flew by so fast for us. But I definitely would love to have you back on in the future. I would love that. And thank you very much for the offer originally. Oh, you're quite welcome. And I will share everything with you after the show. Sounds great. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.